Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, everyone. You have arrived at Characters on the Couch. I'm Jordana Horn, and I am here with my dear friend, Dr. Adam Stern. Hi there. And we're going to be chatting all about analysis of fictional people. Hi, everybody. I'm Jordana Horn. I'm here with my dear friend, Dr. Adam Stern. Hey, just checking in, Jordana, from this lovely new resort in Massachusetts. It's called the White Lotus. Have you heard oh, about it? Oh, you're going to have a, such a great time. You're yeah, going to have no, so much fun. It's going to be great for your marriage also. <laughs> nothing bad ever happens when <laughs> no, couples go no, to it's the all White good. Lotus. Right. It's all good. Um, apparently, so here's what I've heard about uh, White Lotuses. I've heard that the managers are very into gay sex mm-hmm. across the board. There's also excellent service. There's tumult among the uh, people who work there. Mm-hmm. And if you go there, your problems will only get bigger. But but so will your waistline, apparently, because <laughs> apparently the food is so good that you never want to leave the resort to eat anywhere else. I, re- I read that somewhere <laughs> I re- online, like, why are they all staying in the, <laughs> the restaurant? Right? And someone was like, it's an all-inclusive. I'm like, dude, resorts like that are not an all-inclusive. Absolutely. Yeah, these people are just lazy. But anyway, hey, everybody, we're talking about White Lotus today. There are going to be spoilers. If you yeah. have not finished season two, you need to leave now because we don't want you here. We don't want to wreck it for you. <laughs> let Mike White wreck it for you. Um, yeah, <laughs> really. Let him do it. We're not going to do it. What we're going to do today is there's so much pathology to discuss. And so this is the deep dive that I don't know about you, but that I've been craving um, basically since we started the season. Mm-hmm. And I mean the season of characters on the couch. But w- let's begin by talking about the two married couples who form sort of a nucleus of this season. So that's Harper and Ethan yeah. and Cameron and Daphne. Yeah. Because I am dying to know the Dr. Stern <laughs> take on these people. All right. All right. So so in the context for the individual characters, I, what I want to say is that one of the things, there, there are two things I just freaking love about this show. It's a clean show, Jordana. Watch my mouth. I will not say bad words. What I That doesn't really, impress me. No, I know it, it embarrasses uh, both of us. Um, yeah. No, so uh, what I freaking love about this show is that it it holds a mirror to the audience that is watching it in a way mm-hmm. like I've never seen a show do so successfully and impactfully before. So, you know, there's an idea 
about like prestige television and who's watching this show versus who's watching a show like Yellowstone, which is like really popular, uh, but but they're they're not the same audience, right? People are, are are probably drawn to one or the other. This is a show that when I watch, I feel represented and then misrepresented to an exaggeration across various characters and themes um, in a way that is so painful and engaging at the same time that I can't wait for it. The second part is that it is like a rare event of true appointment TV now where, you know, I, I you know, someone posts something like, oh, I, I think it might be um, the show two seasons in a row starts with, we know a death has happened, right? And yes. we know we're not going to find out about death until the end. And so the ac- across the entire season, you're, you're sort of looking, thinking about all of the different possibilities. How could they twist it this way? How could they write a, a compelling story that way? And uh, in the meantime, I haven't felt we're recording this uh, on the Monday after the finale aired. And and last night, like there was a buzz of like, you got to watch this live or else, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's how I felt. And and I love that. That's something that we've gotten away from. (sighs) But to answer your question about this young couple, uh, so we've got Harper and Ethan. They are new money Ethan has just sold his tech company, Vaguely Rich. We have no idea, but we know that they're super rich compared to his college roommate, Cameron, who's played by Theo James, and Cameron's wife, Daphne. They are rich, rich, but not super rich. That's the sort of divide we can... I need to jump in here. Please. Because there are various things that piss me off about the finale, but one of them is that I think that there is no way that Cameron went to Yale. I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to say Cameron is not a Yale guy. Does a Dartmouth he, guy, maybe, but not a Yale guy. So why do you say why do you say that? Because because, Cam, a- because Cameron is okay. So let's begin with Cameron because because my other side comment um, is really irrelevant to the conversation, but I'll say it anyway. That Harper is allegedly a high power lawyer, and yet she never has to check her email. Mm. Another thing that makes this very fictional, Mm -hmm. because I don't care how wealthy your husband is, if you're actually practicing law, Mm -hmm. you're going to check your email Mm -hmm. and you're not going to be walking around just with a book and like leave your phone in the room. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Okay. anyway, let's move back. Cameron is someone who. So let's, for those of you who, like me, are White Lotus aficionados and Mm. saw season one as well, right? Cameron is the Shane of this season. He is privileged, even though we're sort of led to believe that he, it's not necessarily generational family wealth, that he kind of made it himself through the finance hedge fund world. But he sort of cruises through the world annoyed by, you know, the quote unquote idiots who file like sexual harassment claims Mm. or employment discrimination things. They're annoying people Mm -hmm. who just bother him when he should be left unimpeded to do whatever he wants. And when I say do whatever he wants, I really also mean do whoever he wants, because he certainly does not feel bound by um, the ties of monogamy. There were pe- there were some people in my friend circle who were making the contention that Cameron and Daphne have an open marriage. Mm. I'm going to say this. So open marriages 
and this is without any judgment, open marriages are a thing. Mm-hmm. They're a thing if they're embarked upon consensually right. by both parties they're an and within thing. a mutual agreement. Right. In other words, you can't there, just, it cannot be just a de facto open yeah. marriage. That is called you are both cheating. Right. Mutual infidelity is not an open marriage. Thank you for saying it in a much better way. Under, yes. Yeah, if they're, if they're both keeping secrets right. from each other. So Cameron is unfaithful just sort of relentlessly. And not only that, but we're led to believe from conversations with Ethan that he's kind of encroached upon on other people's girlfriends slash spouses before. Mm. Daphne is unfaithful, we are led to conjecture, really in a more responsive way to Cameron's infidelity. Yeah. So I've talked enough. Let's let the, the right. actual doctor talk. Right. <laughs> so I think da- Daphne is presented as a, you know, multiple times when really faced with the conflict of your husband is a lying, cheating sort of uh, man child. What are you, how do you put up with that? You I know, appreciate the effort that we're making to not say the word asshole. <laughs> it's a real well, effort and I'm she, not doing it. She returns on. both with Harper and then later with Ethan. She returns basically with the response of, you find a way that you're not a victim to make it so that you don't feel like a victim so that you have your own life with your own whatever the 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 spoils of life are for you right so to harper she describes this uh jim Co- what, what is a trainer uh, that she spends so much time with, maybe even more time than with her husband, with beautiful blue eyes. Do you want to see a picture? And she's hinting like she has an affair with this trainer. That's what everyone's thinking. She hands the phone over to Harper and it's a picture of her little, little kids. Uh, the, the boy has blue eyes and it's a very, they're, it's an example of a several times during the show where the, the show writers, runners are like, what we're going to do is leave something ambiguous enough that there can be some some debate. Even if we're pretty sure that the trainer, she does have a trainer that she has an affair with, and maybe that trainer's the father of this kid. And, you know, there's enough there that maybe she's just an, uh, showing Harper, look, I put up with his infidelity because of the family that we have together, you know, or whatever it might be. Uh, I'm not saying that's the right thing to do. I'm just saying that's one way you can interpret that scene. Okay, but let's say you have Daphne on your couch, not in a sexual way, but in a treatment context. Thank you, yes. Do you, yeah, yeah. But do you think that that is, so number one, what's her diagnosis? And number two, is that an okay coping mechanism right. that she's constructed for herself? So there's no... no I know it's not a value judgment. I'm saying, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. to no, what extent you. is that feasible? I what I want to do, though, is rela- I, this entire, their couple only works and exists within the confines of the show, juxtaposed against the Harper and Ethan couple. Absolutely. So, yeah, you want to talk, you want me yeah. to talk let, about them or you want no, to? No, let, let me give a, a two liner on the, on the Ethan Aubrey, uh, Aubrey Plaza uh, right. Harper dynamic. Um, you know, in the very first episode, uh, we know Ethan is sort of shy, tech guy that just became rich. Harper, as you said, high-powered lawyer, works in sexual assault cases, things like that. And they ask about like uh, bringing children, are you going to have children? And her answer is basically like, I don't know with all all the stuff that's going on in the world, who knows, something along what those lines. What stuff? And right, they're, they're, <laughs> they look at her like, what do you mean? Like everything is fine in our world. And that's them in a nutshell, right? Uh, right. Harper is conscientious, 
but maybe so conscientious that it's it's like two standard deviations away from the mean and cares about stuff really intensely cares a lot when he when when she sees Cameron and Daphne being very affectionate toward each other she needs to know physically affectionate we need, we need to know because not particularly emotionally affectionate no. they tease each there, other there's a lot of superficial teasing joking almost right. tickling it's all very sort of juvenile flirty stuff and then physical affection they, they hear them having sex and all this you know while harper and ethan are like away on this vacation and they can't seem to manage to be intimate together at all you know uh for for much of the show and so there's this couple that's totally intellectualized and stuck in their heads and not connecting. And then there's this other couple that has taken their thoughts and said, well, let's just throw those away for now or forever and just pretend. Let's live a, you know, like when little kids are playing house, that's kind of what Cameron and Daphne are doing with their whole life, right? They're like, we're going to just pretend everything's cool in the world and also everything's cool in our family and that's going to let us all both do these things that we're doing. Neither I, couldn't get over when, I couldn't get over in this last episode. This was a really arguably throwaway moment that really bothered me. When Daphne's on the phone with the the two blonde kids, yeah, yeah. and she's like, and they're asking for their father, and she's like, Cameron, Cameron. Mm-hmm. And he's flossing. He hears her. And then he kind of like does this like eye roll to the mirror. Like, can you get over this? Mm-hmm. Like, can you believe this shit? Sorry. Yeah. Can you believe this? And then he comes out like, oh, hi, kids. Yeah. How's it going? We yeah. miss you so much. Uh-huh. I'm like, ugh. Uh-huh. Ugh. It's another moment of this literally a reflection where you're like showing the audience like this is you at your worst moment. Is Cameron audience. like the consummate narcissist? Is that what your diagnosis would be? No, I think he is he a narcissist. I guess he's there are there are both narcissistic and sociopathic tendencies in the way that he I guess it is mostly narcissism. The thing is that if he were a, if he were a straightforward narcissist, he would never stop talking about his own successes, how rich he was, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like he the reason I throw in that psychopath sociopath idea is that he's he's somehow clever enough to at the same time build up Ethan, his longtime college friend, and also knock him down, you know? And he does that in a way that's like alpha male textbook kind of stuff. It's like, it's like if you read a book about how to dominate your roommate, your college roommate for the rest of his life. Right? So For sure. Can I pause? Because we're talking about this, this double couple that we both found probably the most compelling of, of the several storylines. Yeah, for sure. But I want to, I want to take a, a couple steps back to the whole show because when I started watching this show, I said, oh, okay, this season, which takes place in Sicily, there's a lot of reference to the Godfather. There's even a, a line from a what Gen Z or whatever, younger than, than I am, generation person, where he's like, the Godfather, that's just an excuse for men to live out their male fantasies about what it could be like when they had all the power and, and could be violent with no repercussions. And 
and have everything they want, right? So I'm like, okay, the show right. this season is about toxic masculinity, how masculinity has evolved. You you see it in the DeGrasso family from the, the grandfather who, who is the most honest person in the whole resort to the, the father who is a sex addict uh, slash womanizer slash man, uh, you know, Jerk. depending on where you are uh, in the spectrum of defining these things to the son who said that line, who's 20 some odd years old or, or so, and and clearly coming from Stanford and saying all the right things, right, about how men should uh, behave in the world, right? So you right. see how masculinity has changed across these three generations. And I thought that's what this show is going to be about. But then seven episodes go in and go, go by. And I realized that's a sliver of that. That's there for sure. And it's a through line, but of every storyline, but at the same time, it's a sliver because it's more broadly, I think a show about the true nature of people and how they can't really change. Even when they see paths to changing, they can't really make themselves different than they maybe are. Uh, that's one of the ways. I'm still, frankly, I'm still processing it uh, from last night. But but go ahead, tell me what you think about those as broad. Oh man! So at the end of the show, I had a kind of um, epiphany moment. Not to play upon all the Jesus imagery that was scattered throughout the scene, but I did have an epiphany, which was that um, I actually think that the show sort of reveled in and wrapped itself in toxic masculinity and a pattern in the Mike White saga of the White Lotus is number one, the rich white guys are always going to be okay. Now you can argue that's pretty true to life (laughs) for the most part. Right. Mm -hmm. But what does it say about us that we find that entertaining? But number two, but wait, wait, hold that. Can you hold that number two in your your mind for a moment? I I just, I just want to say, that they are okay on the surface. They don't get in trouble, right? But they might be really messed up, uh, stuck in really messed up relationships or Okay, but they're alive. They're alive. Yes. No. Okay. I, on so, the, on the, you know. On the uh, spectrum of, of like, are they okay or not? They're the most okay. But I just want to say part, I think part of the show is drawing attention to the fact that the men are 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 also like, in in dire straits emotionally. Right. So that was not news to any of us who have a <laughs> vagina. Just going to put that out there. That okay. is not revelatory. Maybe that, maybe Mike White finds that like, oh, can you believe this? Like, yeah, actually I've lived 49 years as a woman on this planet. I can't believe that men are sort of irreparably messed up. But what I object to, and that's my second point that was stored in my head and now is coming out, is that the women in Mike White's uh, universe, always get literally or metaphorically screwed. Always. Mm -hmm. The only women that he, quote-unquote, likes or that are allowed to emerge comparatively unscathed are the ones for whom sex is transactional. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking not only about Lucia Lucia, and Mia, but also about Daphne, Right, who yeah. has yeah. has made a, a transactional, transactional marriage, a hundred percent. And if yeah. you if you buck that, right, then you're either going to end up like Belinda in season one, who gets left, you know, alone without financial backing, without mm-hmm. any support, or you're going to end up like uh, Tanya. Yeah, 
He like he doesn't like he doesn't like. I mean, Harper is I. Harper is my favorite character. Mm-hmm. Harper is fundamentally unlikable. Mm-hmm. Harper is abrasive, and she is, you know, I mean, certainly attractive, but like not the kind of she. She just is, you know. Do you want to be sitting and having breakfast with someone who says you're an idiot? <laughs> Probably you don't. Right, so you're, you're probably afraid of Harper. Let's circle back to that. That uh, what is it? It's a tetrad. That those two couples, they're because it's almost as though Mike White is that his name? And that is his name. Yeah, because yeah. there's a, a current quarterback of the Jets that might yes. also have that name. Okay, and they've actually never been seen in the same place. <laughs> <laughs> so just going to throw that out there. But anyway, go on, Adam. So <laughs> you could argue that the way he frames the show is look. You've got one of these two choices. You can either have this machismo, uh, fake, you know, more uh, 1950s vibe marriage with, you know, the guy that, you know, she did. One of the one of the best lines is when she, when Daphne describes her husband as like he's naughty, like a little boy is naughty. He's not bad, you know. That's how she's rationalizing who she's married to, right? You can have that, but he is. Let's just pause for a second. He is. I don't want to say hypermasculine because then it makes regular masculine a bad thing. But like he he he's 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 uh outwardly good looking, he's uh assertive, he is what how, what other ways you know like he he does all these things that a lot of women probably find attractive, right? Um behaviorally, sure. right? Mm-hmm. And and physically and, and whatever. And then you take Ethan who is like the uh, on paper. You take you take the other side of that table, that breakfast table. You got Ethan and Harper. Harper's a, a working woman. She believes in causes. She's attractive. Ethan also attractive. I mean, I don't know, but I, I think also attractive. Uh, in good shape. Wakes up early. Goes for a run every day. Super rich. Has a tech company. He just sold all these. And and by the way. Uh, they don't lie to each other, supposedly. At least for the oh, first yeah. half of the season, they sure, that's sure. their thing. You know, yeah, like they don't lie to each other. Honest with each other, uh, even to the point of basically being like, uh, "We're not attracted to each other." Like saying these, you know, there's a there's a. Uh, but they do lie to each other. But then I mean, t- yeah. I mean, Ethan never never told. Um, I don't think he ever told Harper that he kissed Mia. He said he he lied about. <laughs> <laughs> he said, hey, yeah, I and mean, one of them like tried to kiss me and I stopped her kind of a thing, which sure. is kind of, if you I mean, that's just as, scene. that's just as quote unquote true as Harper's version of whatever happened when they went up to the room and yeah. locked the door. Yeah. But I guess my point when I'm trying to juxtapose these two couples is to say that a rational viewer doesn't want either version right? Doesn't want the life of either version of these couples. No matter if you're on the, the male or the female or anything in between side, you, you know, you, you, you don't actually want to be in a, even on the, on paper, Ethan with all of his positive traits and Harper with all of her positive traits, the experience of living in that couple seems exhausting and not passionate and all these things. And you do the same thing with the Cameron and Daphne side, you look at it and you say, well, that looks terrible on paper, but they do at least hug and make love. And, you know, like they actually do, you know, have a lot 
of things that Ethan and Harper are missing, but it's all a house of cards. It's all a facade, right? Right. There's nothing actually there. And that's what he, that's what I think he does is he says, you can have this or this. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. He did. Let's just move, if we can, to Porsche. A lot of people dislike, sure. dislike Porsche and Albi. They're the generational representation of what, young 20-somethings, I guess. And, uh, you know, they did the same, he did the same thing with Portia's character, right? Uh, basically, the Mike White said, here's this uh, attractive young guy, he treats women well, he wants to treat pe- women well, he doesn't want to repeat the offenses of his father and his grandfather, and he's gonna, you know, he tries to woo this this girl, he asks permission to kiss her, she's completely turned off, to the point where all, all it takes is some dummy swimming in a pool that is... Such a dummy. Such a dummy. But we feel, but I do feel bad for the dummy. I mean, it's very clear that he is in way in over deep. his head. Yeah. 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 And of course, who are we talking about? What's his name in the Jack. show? Jack. Jack. Yeah. So Jack, sorry, there's so many names in this show. Sometimes I'm like the dummy or the, you know, like the, the husband of that couple or whatever. Anyway, so Jack like is, uh, he, she's presented the option and she goes for Jack, right? They do that on the show, again, to sort of twist the knife a little bit in the viewer. It's like, the viewer's like, well, you just want Albie to, to, frankly, to use an old phrase that's probably politically incorrect, like man up a little bit, Albie, like be a little bit more, uh, have a little bit more game than you've got, you know? I thought that was also a pretty lame, in other words, like it's clear that we're, Meant to feel like, oh, Albie, he's like too, yeah. too nice. Yeah, he's a sucker, as yeah. exemplified by the finale, right? Right. Like, I mean, you know, he's soft. Yeah, he's weak. Yeah. Like in the meantime, he's like nice, and he's <laughs> you know probably the only person in the entire show who has somewhat rational responses to the situation in which they find themselves, right? Like, you know, when I was watching though, as, as the show progressed and he gets entwined with the sex worker, uh, Lucia, Lucia, would you say Lucia, Lucia? I don't don't really care. Okay. Um, and so, uh, I'll say Lucia. So like when he's, he knows what she does, he says, well, why does that matter? Fine. But then his dad, at least, 
has the, and of course, we're talking uh, about uh, Michael Imperioli, a.k.a. Christopher. <laughs> Thank you for doing that for me. I appreciate <laughs> that. I, I feel that any discussion of Michael Imperioli is um, woefully inadequate if we don't call him Christopher. <laughs> and it has to end with an F-U-H, Christopher. So in the in the final episode, he says, how are you going to make it through life, Albie, if you're such a big mark? Uh, and- he's going to make it through life because he's going to inherit his wealth. Like, da I, 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 I read that scene totally differently. Okay, I was like, I was like, Michael Imperioli's Dominic character, like, he's got, he's got him pegged. The dude is, he's twenty something. He's just fallen in love with a, a sex worker who is clearly playing him. Every the audience knows he's getting played. Anyone with any any lived experience in the world would say, hey, fifty thousand euros for this false version of love that you think you found isn't, you know, isn't actually, you know, what you should be doing. <laughs> even if it's not your money and even if, even if your father, it doesn't matter to him because he's so rich that that's pocket change. Also, if they're so rich, why are they all on EasyJet? Which yeah, is the European I, equivalent of spirit. I thought EasyJet must have advertised in some way because I had the exact same. The one period of my life I lived in Europe for a few months, I flew a lot of EasyJet. And right? I, fl- I flew with my, well, I won't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go there. What, what I was going to say is that, was that the experience is not a luxury experience. It's so, right. So a good friend of mine said, you know, I, I really wanted to see them on the plane squished into an uncomfortable middle seat. I'm trying to hold a beverage that was spilling on them. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's a big shift from the White Lotus to EasyJet. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That that didn't work for me. Anyway, I, I think that Albie is going to be fine because Albie's going to inherit his wealth and he is going to get played. He's going to get divorced probably twice and he's going to get taken for a lot. By the second marriage, he's going to have a prenup at the insistence of his father um, after the first marriage. Yeah. And that's what's going to happen. And he's, you know, he's going to be like pretty unscathed and you know here the guy went to stanford right which has an acceptance rate of like zero Mm -hmm. (laughs) so and it's it's never like it's never outwardly said that you know maybe that's like a varsity blues kind of situation where like Mm -hmm. you know where he sort sort of fudged his way into stanford we don't know maybe he's very smart who knows Mm -hmm. but the but the point is that he is in, he's tight. He's ensconced in privilege to the extent where, like, he doesn't even have to. Like, really, you don't even have to share is a room it, on this trip. You get your own suite. Too privileged to fail. Is that what you think? He's yeah, that's like, what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Or if you do fall, you fall like on a feather bed, and it's yeah. so soft. Yeah. So nice. Well, that might that might be the case. That might be. Um, the case. You want to talk a little bit about like the real sociopaths you want to wind it up with like the act like because arguably the most sociopathic in this whole thing are jack and quentin 
Yeah. I mean, not Jack and Quentin, sorry, Greg. Greg and Quentin. at the heart of it. Jack, Jack is like a pawn yeah, being used. Yeah, exactly. um, but yeah, t- talk to me about Greg. All right. So Greg has uh, married Jennifer Coolidge's Tanya from season one, the only you know holdovers, the only carry forwards from season one. And actually, you know, I just watched literally the first like five minutes of the when the show ends and Mike White comes on and talks about the season and the show. And, and there was a line that I've completely forgotten from season one where she said, and I'm paraphrasing to Greg when they're first meeting each other, he was sick and she said, oh, but, you know, death is like the only, the last real immersive experience, you know? Mm-hmm. And he used that line to basically justify why he <laughs> wanted the entire plot to revolve around her in this in this kind of way. Um, but what we largely find out is, is that Greg has... Uh, you know, hired shady characters, uh, wanted to go to Sicily because he had these connections with these guys that could... No, don't you think that he was his, Quentin's long-term lover and that was why the... In other words, that this was a long con dating back to season one, that he seduced Tanya, like, with the purpose of setting up this whole thing. Is, was that your interpretation? Oh, I for sure. I didn't, I didn't have that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, mean I, I also I, I also thought that the photograph of Quentin and Greg on the on the bureau, I thought that was a very fourth slash fifth grade plot yeah. device. And yeah. and like when she picked it up again and spelled it out, I'm like, yeah. okay, okay. Like well, this is why on. so so A, I wanna keep the door open for like I'm I could have this might have just gone right over my head and that absolutely is plausible. Uh, I don't at this moment I don't believe it because I think that I, I saw the version of the story where he was seduced by her money and married her and was just too miserable with her to to stand it. But he's and been re- married remembers. four times. Okay. So he, he, this is in character that he gets married and can't stick, you know? Don't you wonder where the other wives are? I do. I don't. No. I do. I think they're at the bottom of like various bodies of water. <laughs> well... <laughs> It's possible. That's okay. why he works in the Bureau of Land Management. But I want, I want make sure to, they never trawl the bottom. I just want to draw attention to this one fact: where as as the show went on, and I said it, I thought it progressed from this is a show about just toxic masculinity and how it relates to the modern society mm-hmm. to more of like you know the thing, but you can't change the thing, right? So Tanya and uh, Portia figure out what's going on. Yes. And Which is pretty remarkable because let's face it, Tanya <laughs> is not. I, I personally, when I feel someone is um, very dumb, I like to deliberately mix the metaphor. So I say she's not the sharpest bulb in the chandelier. Yeah, 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 sure. So that is Tanya. Like, so for Tanya to put this together, yeah, right? Like, that's oh my- something. My favorite, and again, obviously you've already watched the show or don't care about the show, but care about us enough to listen this far. So I'm just going to say the most spoilerish thing that's that I'll ever say in my life. So like my favorite part about the finale, which has lots of flaws and, you know, people can dislike it or like it, whatever. My favorite part is that this, this flitzy, drugged up, drunk woman in Tanya figures it all out manages to get a hold of the murder weapon 
busts out of the room. Kills everybody. She kills everyone. Like the, the camera's showing her with the gun waving back and forth like she has no control. Somehow she kills these three mafioso guys and then can't figure out how to either signal for help in some way that will save her life or like, thinks the boat captain is going to do something bad or I don't know. Can't figure out how to like climb a ladder down to the the little boat that's going to go to shore and and decide she's going to just sort of like jump into the little boat and falls and brutally knocks her head unconscious and drowns, right? And it was, that moment was so freaking great because it was like, she got it all figured out. She even escaped the murder plot until it took the 10 feet to get down to the boat and she couldn't do that. And that was like the tragedy, the comic tragedy, you know, like Shakespearean comedy or Greek comedy kind of like stuff. There's a lot of silly death. You can be as rich as she is and slip on a banana peel, you know, kind of a death. And and I just I just mm. love that. Yeah, I, I think I would have loved it more if it had happened to, you know, Cameron, just because I feel that. I understand, while I understand intellectually the points that you're making, on a visceral level, I feel that this is yet another example of Mike White's um, apparent extreme distaste for women doing it for themselves. Like, that is unacceptable to Mike White. And so, therefore, we have to make you die in an undignified and remarkably crappy way. One thing I love is you and I offline... At some point, I said to you, like, man, I don't know how couples watch this show together. My wife was sort of in and out of the show, right? Yeah. I I said, these shows, including the first season, these kinds of shows that are just like reflections of the challenges of everyday marriage, but like then on, on steroids, you know, taken to the nth degree. Yeah. And really pulling you all, you start at a place where you can get the viewer on board and then you stretch them as far as you can. I said, I don't know how couples watch the show together. And what I'm finding in talking with you, Jordana, is like, I think the male and female, oh, I mean, we're just one, N of one male and N of one female here talking about the show. I think our perspectives are super different about how mm-hmm. things went I, mm-hmm. and, like, and and who's not to blame, but where there's empathy to, to grab onto. You know? Sure. And who I'm, I'm, who I'm also going to say that um, when I'm watching these shows on the couch with my husband, <laughs> I would say that out of all the shows we've watched, the person that I'm closest to character wise in terms of my reactions to these shows is Harper, because I am so I'm sitting on the couch and I'm saying these things like, God, what the, like, I'm like, you're an idiot. And my husband's like, no, no, he's not an idiot. I'm like, no, he's an idiot. Like, I'm just like free range. Like, I'm like, like Tanya with the gun. That's me with the judgments. I'm just Mm. like all over the place. But yeah, I agree. I think that one of the, one of the many reasons this is an excellent show that I enjoy doing with you, Adam, is that I do enjoy our discussions and our different or different perspectives and takes on things. And uh, I think we have a, fut- a few future shows coming up where 
man, it's going to be wild. It's yeah. Be a wild ride. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to just finish by saying that, you know, I gave it a little bit of thought. Everybody in the show could use some therapy or not. <laughs> but the person, if you start from the point of where the show ends, mm-hmm. I'd actually really like to make sure that Portia gets on a couch somewhere because, like, she. Can we I'm, make sure that Portia, like, calls the police? Yeah. I mean, she's gone through a murderous trauma and few, you know, like a, a really scandalous, terrible, terrifying mm-hmm. thing that involved basically abduction and, you know, like murder. And she knows what happened. And <laughs> I, no love, one else I knows. love when she was like, if you're abducting me, can you just like, let me know? Yeah. Like, can you yeah. just like spell it out for me? Yeah. Because I don't like, I feel very uncomfortable in this uncertainty. Yeah. And I just like to know if I'm being abducted. Yeah. I'm like, really? Do we need to? Like, yeah, you're being abducted. (laughs) (laughs) That's what's happening. So she's got to get in some therapy because she needs a narrative about, and and to your point, she's got to like find the right wardrobe. Police department. (laughs) The wardrobe was. I can't. Who brings a sweater vest to Sicily? Understand that the wardrobe was intentional. On purpose, blah, blah, blah. It was, it was, but it was like, it was really like, it, it was like a splinter wedged in my eye. (laughs) <laughs> Every well, time they're doing it right because no, they did look, it right if you for look sure. At the actress Haley Lou Richardson, if you just like like pull it up on IMDb when we do these recordings, I usually have like the cast right. next to our Zoom so that I can actually see who we're talking about. Yeah, and like the actress is is much more glamorous than the character. Oh, sure, no, right? she 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 presents as a normal person. <laughs> yeah, so this this <laughs> yeah. they did a this again. I, I think with all the faults and all the challenges of how do we see it the show doesn't oh no her 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 infuriating wardrobe was perfect it was perfect and it it definitely like hit the right uh buttons of of judgy uh idol fury she's got to find the right police department and the right therapist to help her work through this for the rest of her life because that's i can't imagine you know i've got one final question for you and then we can break sure the question is You've had a lifelong dream to go visit X place mm-hmm. and you hear that they've opened a white Lotus there Yes, and you have a lot of points, your credit card just yeah, transferred yeah. its thing to the white Lotus and you get it at a good rate. Would you go knowing that? For blessed. sure. <laughs> for sure. I'd go because yeah, yeah, I'd totally go. I feel I like, uh, I feel like the thread counts really high. That's oh, very yeah. important to me. Yep. You know, the mega king bed. I like to yeah. be able to like, you know, either cuddle or sleep in an X as I... Uh, this, this service as I in went. these places is always pristine, really well done. Right, they got rid of the crappy piano player. Yeah, I, that didn't belong. I was like, why would such a bad piano player be at a place like this? It was but terrible. It was, yeah. And was, she was so good. She was great. Yeah. She, she was, was really be- good. Beautiful uh, voice. Beautiful voice. Yeah, no, that was terrific. I, I, but I would, I will say this. So I guess I would go stay at White Lotus. I would actually dine off property. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's maybe not for breakfast, but you know, right? Like, stay lunch for and, breakfast lunch and, and then dinner. go out. It depends where right. you, where you are, but go out, see those. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Like you go, you go to dinner in the restaurant once, once. Yeah, not yeah. like we know this menu backward and forwards, like. Okay, you yeah. are in Sicily. Surely yeah. there's somewhere else to eat um, and not uh, dine and dash like uh, Jack and Portia. <laughs> yeah. that's, so, you know, that's a no-go. Th- this show is a big enough hit. They're going to, I'm sure they're going to try to get them to do a season three. Oh, no, it's happening. It's on. It's going to be, um, and I think it's going to be in Asia. I think oh, that's what I heard. That's terrific. That's fantastic. And my my 
question about it beyond where it's going to be is if they're going to continue this theme of like one person from the last mm. cast comes forward. Who do you want to carry Who over? Who do you want? Yeah. I, I, I want Daphne. You want Daphne, yeah. I really like Daphne. That would actually be the best. That would be the best. Uh, be, and, and but I want can, her to be on a girl's trip. Right. Still married or like? Yeah, still uh, married for sure. Okay. You know, but she calls and he's busy. Uh-huh. You know, he's in uh-huh. a meeting. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. where you are. That yeah, she she that actress, I guess Megan Fahey might be her name. Amazing. Like the show starts and you're like, oh, she's super uh, superficial. She's the least developed character here. And it goes on and you're like, she's the deepest character here. For she's sure. So much going and on. And her face the was so, she had such an expressive face. Yeah. That one um, scene when when oh, Ethan when Ethan yes. goes to talk to her in the, yes. the in the last episode says he thinks there's something something happened between Harper and Cameron and her you just I watched a clip 20 seconds you see her process the whole thing and then decide how to react in, in a mo in 20 seconds mm. it's like uh give her you know give her the Emmy just for that for real she was fabulous although I will say that um apparently I'm not sure if you or our listeners knew this but both the actors who play Cameron and Ethan are British yeah, because sometimes I'll see these like post recap episode uh-huh. interviews. I saw Ethan talking with a British accent, speaking with a British accent, and I, I was immediately turned <laughs> turned off. <laughs> I don't know why. Well, I just hate Ethan. So <laughs> no, nothing's gonna, you know, even with the British accent, like you know, you, you can't redeem yourself, Ethan. You stink. I think you're great, Ethan, but you know, to each. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Not Everyone. only that, but I feel that Harper could get out of that marriage with serious cash. cash you know, yeah. I mean, she's she a lawyer. De- she definitely could. Just leave. Yeah. If Harper I mean, that- carried over, I would. that would be my second choice. Harper post-divorce, you know, going to uh, find herself. Mm. Yeah, that would work. I'd like wa- the new I, Jennifer Coolidge, Let's- in other words, me- you know, mega independently wealthy. Yeah. yeah. And Let's- we know what happens to those women. <laughs> Nothing good. <laughs> well, this show, I, you know, I it's one of the the rare, you know, sort of like new shows that just it hits and and it's a cultural phenomenon. I, I love it. I just me too. I just love it. I'm sad it's over, and um, you know, it's it's it, it, there's a lot to think about. So always good to uh, you know we couldn't cover it all, but but we we covered a lot. So I think oh, we did. A, I think we did a pretty good job. You know, sorry, Valentina. Yeah, right. Valentina, this Whatever. beloved character that all everybody came around on, you know, just like, real, you know, we're like, yeah, well, maybe next time, Valentina. But I shared with you, and a good note to close on, I guess, is, you know, <laughs> the the meme of Valentina and Elmo, the, the two <laughs> the people, people who hate Rocco. <laughs> and if you don't know that, you've you got to right. Google Elmo and Rocco. Right. If you've got Elmo, any history with Elmo, you know. About yeah. this. So and, uh, funny. So good. Yeah. Yeah. All Cannot right. I think everybody. about it without laughing. Okay. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Time. Bye. Please be advised that Characters on the Couch is a show focused only on fictional people, and none of the content should be considered medical or professional advice in any way. If you or someone you know is struggling with your mental health, please seek out professional consultation. Thank you. Thanks so much. Hope to see you guys next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.